sorry I don't love you A friends have grown accustomed to Cause with you if something isn't wrong Something isn't wrong Something isn't right Hey everyone, welcome to Geekdom is back this week, as is Julie Linzer. As promised, she is back to talk about Captain America, the Winter Soldier, and, you know, I'm sure we'll make our way to Civil War here pretty soon, maybe in, you know, a month or two, just to keep them spaced out a little bit. But Julie, how are you doing today? Good, good. Good, I'm excited to talk about... I actually, this is one of my favorite Marvel movies, so... Awesome. Yeah, when I was re-watching it, I was like... Yeah, I think I definitely like this one a little bit better than the first one they did, because you, like we mentioned in that episode, they were sort of still getting their bearings with these stories and everything. And by the time Winter Soldier came out, it's like you had had the Avengers team up, you had had the first Captain America movie, you had all this backstory, basically, that sort of led up to this. And in this one, we get, you know, the big S.H.I.E.L.D. versus HYDRA situation, and this actually plays into Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. on TV as well. So it's like they really did the whole world building thing by the time they got to this movie. But why don't we go ahead and start with some of the relationships that we see either forming or already have formed with Captain America in this? Because, you know, Bucky ends up being the Winter Soldier and hopefully by now everyone who is listening to this has seen the movie so you know (laughs) spoilers are kind of a given with this podcast just in case we have any new listeners but you know with Cap being frozen in ice and sort of waking up you know however many years later I think it was about 70 years later or something ridiculous like that his relationships that he had with people aren't really there anymore and then to have Bucky be in this, it's sort of like a big blow to him, especially with them fighting each other. And what do you think about the fact that they let it take so long for Cap to realize that this was Bucky in this? Well, it, it's interesting because in earlier in the movie, you have Natasha explain her experience with him. And... Um, when I was, when I was rewatching, there were a couple of notes that I made that were actually very interesting that related to Civil War too. So, um, that, that'll make that conversation really interesting. But it was when she, when she explains like who he is and what he does, Cav is very much like pragmatic about it. He's like, well, we'll stop him. It's, you know, this is, you know, the, whatever they think they have, they don't. And what's so interesting about that scene when he when he sees his face for the very first time is Cap doesn't know what to do because he doesn't want to fight him, but he has to right. because there's other people's lives at stake here. And 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 Bucky's response is, "Who's Bucky?" So like, you know, it, it's it's funny because the movie itself when that. The movie doesn't try and pretend that Bucky's not the Winter Soldier. That was the one of the more interesting things that the Russo brothers did. They didn't shy away from it. It it kind of reminded me in like the opposite of what like Star Trek Into Darkness did with Khan. They pretended that he wasn't in the movie at all. And certain things aren't so so shocking or don't need to be. I mean, I I I'm one of those people that goes to the theater and I like to like play up scenes like that so i remember very distinctly when he goes bucky i went (gasps) right (laughs) just because 
because it was like it's so overly dramatic in the comic book sense of the world that you can't help but be like I mean obviously it's Bucky but I think that it really it really it really put Steve in a really compromising position both emotionally and physically because he didn't know I mean you watch their fighting in that first um that well not the first scene but the scene where he realizes who he is yeah um and and I mean Cap is doing everything he can not to hurt him yeah and it's really interesting that we're sort of given this better look at the character too before Cap is because like you said it's pretty obvious that it's Bucky but because Captain America is so caught up in the moment and he's fighting this guy it might not be instantly recognizable to him that this is Bucky and that mask he has on does cover a good majority of his face you know it's covering his nose his mouth and all you can really see are his eyes and his hair is sort of longer and greasy and sort of just you know he's looking like he's sort of just this machine that's being used by Hydra and it's definitely an interesting dynamic to see them fighting knowing it's Bucky and then to not have Cap realize it until later I mean, he had that lovely eyeliner, you know, all <laughs> over his face. Uh, um, yeah, no, it it definitely, it definitely, um, I, I think that, especially because the whole movie is up until that point, you're very, you're very suspicious. I mean, I, I remember reading, I couldn't even tell you where, because it was a while ago, but I remember reading when the Russo brothers were, like, crafting the plot of, um, Civil of uh, Winter Soldier and Civil War at the time too, actually, because there is some setup there. Um, he one of the one of the Russo brothers said that one of the hardest things about creating this situation for Steve was operating under the idea of what won't the character do? What right. is Steve's limit of you know of I mean what what will drive him to you know. I, he doesn't want to kill people, but like what would drive him to do that? And they said that one of the interesting things is when you start exploring that, how you start to feel very like disingenuous to the character in certain things. Like Steve wouldn't kill someone. So, you know, that scene on the roof with uh, Sitwell, um, he, they, they throw him off the roof and he even says like, you know, I, I won't do it, but she will. Right. And, and it played off that they they played off that dynamic of everyone else they had in the situation so that Cat was able to just be himself. So, you know, in the elevator when he says, just before we get started, does anyone want to get off? You know, he, you know, he's still very much the super soldier he was in the first movie. He's just, he's now existing in the real world and he's, he doesn't know, you know, that actually, and I guess we'll get to it in a minute, but the... The scene when he meets Sam for the first time when they're running yeah. and they talk about what it's like to be a soldier, it that fits really well with the scene later when he finds out it's Bucky. Because the only person who could understand really that aside from being a soldier, you know, or being a part of like Sam's group is Bucky. I mean, they were in it together. They were they were the howling commandos. So like to to have that juxtaposition of the two friendships one 
very new and and one very very old it it definitely makes cap's whole um it it changes his whole perspective his whole his whole world goes upside down yeah and i'm glad that you mentioned how he meets sam because i did want to talk about that and i was going to mention that next actually and it's almost like they sort of already know each other by the time you finish that scene and know each other pretty well because you know Cap is totally outrunning him when they're, you know, running around DC and everything like that, around the monuments and what have you. And, you know, Sam makes this comment as he can tell Cap is approaching. He's like, don't you say it or something like that because he keeps saying on your left. (laughs) And it's just such a comical moment that it feels like you know from the get go that these two characters are going to get along really well. And, that's before they even formally introduce themselves, which, you know, Sam obviously is aware of who this dude is because he's running like a maniac <laughs> around in these laps around him. And I just really like how they brought those two characters together and they sort of let that be the opening scene for the film because it's just like, you know, this is Cap living his current everyday life and this is sort of how he ends up meeting people it's not like he's really in tune with the typical ways that you meet people it's not every day that you meet someone because they're flat out outrunning you you know and it's just really interesting to show how different cap is from sort of your everyday soldier even right well i thought it i think it's that whole scene is very, very, very funny because Sam, after they introduce themselves, he's like, oh, you know, come down to, you know, uh, the VW or whatever it is because there's a girl he wants to impress. So they bond really, really quickly, but they're totally, they're very different people. Um, And that's what makes it interesting because, you know, Cap shares the fact that he has a list of things that, like, he's trying to catch up on. And... Uh, but then the scene kind of ends really like it's 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 very complete with Natasha pulling up going, you know, anyone know where the Smithsonian is? Yeah, because, because because of that, there's a very light, you know, humor to the whole thing. And it also helps show, you know, that like the the Natasha Steve bond really well too that she also decided like hey i'll work for shield too you know i'll hang out in dc also as after the avengers and i thought that was a really interesting choice especially because on a, a more larger scale note chris evans and scarlett johansson have worked together before yeah and it's always really great to see that friendship that those two have because she's sort of nagging him the entire movie to ask someone out. And it's just like, you know, she makes the comment, I'm multitasking. (laughs) Like, you know, like these are both things that she, one, should be doing and wants to be doing because you can just tell how she's just sort of trying to get him acclimated to, you know, the new times and everything like that and it's funny that he even has that list in a notebook because most people these days would just put that in their phone or something which I'm someone who still really loves to use notebooks so I found it sort of interesting that he was doing it that way like he hadn't quite caught up with the times like pen and paper is still his thing and he just you know pulled them out of his pocket as he was running so who really keeps a notebook (laughs) on them when they're running like that you know 
you know, he has to. Well, what was interesting about the, the Natasha, I mean, there was a lot of really interesting things about the Natasha-Steve relationship aspect of the movie, but I, in, the, in, in Winter Soldier, I got the impression that she didn't know about Peggy because he was so, like, obstinate. And, and, and her, her way of doing it was like, it sounds like, oh, well, you can't be hung up on, you know, um, the girl from, you know, the 40s. She's, you know, it, it seemed to me like she assumed that everyone he loved was dead. And that's true. I mean, we, we do see Peggy, and it's very upsetting. But he, um, it, it's interesting because she's the one who shows up to Peggy's funeral in Civil War. Right. Which, spoiler alert, I guess. But she, <laughs> she, she did know. And she was, what she was doing was very, it wasn't, it wasn't just, oh, I'm going to bring you into the 21st century. She was, she was trying to help him. And I thought that was really an interesting choice, especially by the Russo brothers, because of what has been done to Natasha in other movies. Um, I mean, you know, I'm very pro uh, solo solo Scarlett Johansson movie, right. but because she can handle it. But the you know a Black Widow movie would be great because it would be a spy thriller. But she, she's so, um, she's so well utilized for the film, and and even the fact that we get to see her later with Sam, and a, a, what's so interesting about Winter Soldier is how much you don't even realize how much it informs the rest of the the MCU. Yeah, and I think they use her, like you said, very well in this. And she's not just along to be Steve's sort of support system. It's like, yes, she's acting as a friend to him. But we see when they go on that huge ship and everything that she has her own separate mission from whatever Steve is doing. And I think the fact that they didn't put her in this spot where it's just like, you know, hey, make sure things go smoothly with Steve and everything like that, because he's Captain America, you know, he can handle himself. And he doesn't really necessarily need other Avengers with him to complete a mission. So the fact that they gave her her own mission, I think made a lot more sense and really showed, like you said, those spy skills that she is so used to using already and i think you know when they go into i don't really know if it's a bunker or if it's just the old shield office or what exactly it is because it's, it's sort both. of looks like both yeah it's both because it was the it was the hiding it was the hiding place of shield so it was it was a bunker of, it, it's kind of like what they do in agent carter where she works for the telephone company. Right, but right. behind the telephone company. Yeah, it was, the bunker was used as a, like, oh, this isn't anything, nothing shady going on here. Yeah, <laughs> and when they're in there, you know, there's that picture of Peggy on the wall, and Steve sort of just lingers on it. And I think that's really, you know, when it clicks for her that, you know, hey, he's, really still hung up on this person and like you said she doesn't really know where Peggy is if she's still alive or that sort of thing but we do so it's just one of those moments where you sort of see how she asks Steve about it and it's not in a pushy kind of way but it's in more of a caring sort of way 
I actually, that scene is so fascinating because you learn so much because that's the other scene that totally flips Steve and all of our perspectives because you learn that S.H.I.E.L.D. is actually Hydra. And I mean, the, that line, you know, everything you've worked for has, you know, amounted to nothing or whatever it is. You know, the, the organization you tried to stop is, is here still alive and well. Um, it, it's so fascinating because when the building blows up, um, it, it, there's a there's a tendency when you have two very good looking leads to still push them together in a in a capacity that just never works. And the movie works very hard not to do that, right. but it's seamless. And that scene though is very interesting because she Natasha's aware that she wouldn't make it out of al- out alive without Steve. And I found that really, really fascinating because it, it showed, you know, it, it, if we ever, maybe never, I'll write it. If we <laughs> ever get a, a Black Widow movie, it's interesting to see that side of her, not in the capacity of her, like, telling Hulk about her past. You know, it wasn't meant to be vulnerable. It was meant to show that, you know, these people post Avengers have like learned to rely on each other in, in ways that they've never been able to rely on other people. That's why her story about Bucky is so interesting. I mean, she thought she was going to die. Yeah. And this by far is probably my favorite depiction of Black Widow in pretty much all of the movies that they've done with her in them. And I think she gets to do so much, so much. I mean, you forget how how integral she is to the whole plot. She and Steve are complete equals. Yeah, and even if, you know, they did do a Black Widow solo movie, I wouldn't mind if they had Captain America show up in it like she does in this. And he might not necessarily right. need to be in it quite as much because, you know, we find out that when she has that different mission from Steve, he's not exactly too thrilled about it because he wasn't let in on it, basically. And that sort of leads into our discussion on his relationship with Fury next, I think, because there's sort of this push and pull between the two of them because, you know, he takes orders from Nick Fury, but he's never really getting the whole picture. And that's something that he's not too fond of. And you really see this and then when you know nick fury dies quote unquote in this you still <laughs> see how much respect that steve has for him because he is you know still his superior i found the I, steve is a very much like he's a very big picture kind of person right. so he needs to know you know what he's fighting against what he's fighting for there's that line at the end of the movie when uh no, it's in the middle of the movie when he says this, that's not freedom, that's fear. Yeah. Um, and uh, that line actually plays almost is the entire through line of um, Civil War. So, like, you know, that's partially where you can see where Steve was coming from from the start. Um, but it, it's interesting because on a certain level, you know, it. The Avengers themselves, they know that they don't know what each other is up to at any given moment. So the fact that Natasha and Steve happen to be in the same place, I feel like it's kind of funny that he doesn't really question why she's hanging around there. You know, theoretically, she could be anywhere in the world. Right. She probably should be. <laughs> you know, she she's in... She, 
her skills allow, I mean, that's what we saw in Avengers, and that wasn't even, you know, her, her introduction was in Iron Man 2, but they, that's what we saw in Avengers. She was off doing, you know, whatever she was supposed to be doing um, for for Fury, and that. so that's the other thing. You, you see that, like, Natasha just implicitly trusts, or she does what she's told. I'm not really sure. How much of a soldier is she? <laughs> um, uh, she... She does, she does what she's told, and she doesn't really question him too much, whereas Steve kind of feels like if he's, if he's going to be working for him for S.H.I.E.L.D. or under the guise of S.H.I.E.L.D., he should at least be in on every aspect of it. What he doesn't seem to understand is the why you would need Natasha in the situation, and I thought that was really interesting because he's not... It, it had nothing to do with you know, what she should and shouldn't do. It had to do with the fact that, like, if she's going to be given other stuff to do, how is he supposed to know when to get out of the situation if they're supposedly going in together? He felt like she jeopardized them. Right. And I feel like, you know, she's more inclined to do the things that Steve would have sort of these moral problems doing, you know, her moral line is a little more blurred because of, you know, the past life that she had. And for Steve, he's always sort of been this guy and he's always been doing things for the good of it. And it's really interesting to see that dynamic come together in this movie. And even with Nick Fury, you know, giving them orders, the fact that they handle them so differently and have sort of these different takes on whether or not they're going to question Fury is really interesting. Well, it plays up so like you I mean this this movie was practically its own tentpole for the the MCU because it plays so well into Civil War. I mean, when she gets it, she gets the 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 Steve Bucky thing. She doesn't she she for everything else that she criticizes about the way Steve exists in the 21st century, she totally understands why he 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 couldn't agree with the Accords in general, why he couldn't agree with Tony. There was so many facets to that, so that when you see her in that movie, like, semi-switch sides, or, or see how blurred that whole situation is for so many of the Avengers it's it's it you see how crucial this movie was to to everything I mean just the sheer fact that that Fury himself you know was at one point in charge I feel like at the point where we are in the MCU you you can forget that you know you there are all these characters and and certainly with like agents of shield it's so separate at this point that it's so easy to be like oh okay they exist in the same universe but you know not the same things that happened which was what was so fascinating about that first season that was so ballsy to just take the first season bring out what people thought they were watching and then change the entire narrative halfway through because they they align themselves right with the movie. I mean, I cannot imagine being a, an executive at ABC and going, I don't know how this is going to work. Because the first question that everyone asked after the movie was, oh, I guess Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. is getting canceled. Yeah, and they definitely did a lot of work on that show to sort of revive it after, you know, everything that went on in the movies and everything like that. But I want to shift the conversation a little bit here and talk about 
or I should say, talk more about the new characters that they brought about in this film. And we have Sam, who we see become Falcon by the end. And then we have Agent 13, who, ironically enough, Steve tries to ask her out and even, you know, offers to let her use his washing machine and stuff like that. And it's, it's a super awkward scene. And at that moment, it's like, you sort of have an idea of who she is, but it isn't really until Fury's in Cap's apartment and she hears the gunfire that we get her true identity, basically. And then she makes more appearances throughout the film. But I think, you know, it was really great to sort of have that soft introduction to her character first and then see, you know, what her real mission was or her role in this and you know i know things play out quite differently in civil war than maybe some of us want wanted to with her character and cap and everything like that but here they don't have any real relationship it's like she was assigned this you know overwatch position for captain america basically to make sure he's safe in his apartment and we see her later in the offices so what do you think of how they introduced this character and what role they gave her in this well my favorite one of my favorite moments is actually when he passes her in the office and he goes neighbor because (laughs) he's so mad that he didn't know he's so mad that there were people watching him and he just like he his own skills that, like, I don't know, paying attention are not very good. He's just trying to live his life. But he he's so mad that, like, no one is who they say they are. And I, I feel like they did, like, a really good job of building all of that, like, distrust around everything else. Because prior to that, Steve had no reason to distrust anyone or anything. He felt like, all right, I'll go work for the government agency that Peggy started because of me. And, and then everything else turns out to be a mess. So I I think that that scene, like, if, had they been able to, uh, I don't know, flesh out that particular moment in another scene in the movie, I feel like people wouldn't have been as upset about what occurred in civil war um because there's nothing the 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 issue i think with agent 13 is and sharon carter in general is that there's nothing earned about it so like when she was in a way you know you could you could take the the bucky line when when she was when when steve was her mission it it worked better i think because she was unassuming and um you know, you definitely don't, you definitely don't think that, like, Fury has this whole network of people doing what they're doing, which is why it's so interesting after he dies that Steve takes up that aspect of his run of S.H.I.E.L.D. because he, they, they want to figure out what's going on, or, you know, quote-unquote dies. But, um, Sharon herself is uh, what made her so interesting is they did a lot in such a short amount of time. Like at the end of the movie, when Steve makes his announcement over the loudspeaker and you see her reaction, you're, you're like hyper aware of her at that point that she, you know, you want to see her do something. Right. And I think that's why at the end of the movie, when she joins the FBI, you're, 
it's it's gratifying it's satisfying you're you're like oh okay sharon is her is she's you know at that point you don't even know technically that you know she's she's peggy's niece but at that point she um you you're like oh okay she's she's doing her she's doing her aunt proud because at least for those of us who knew who she was um you know, you were like, okay, she has a sense of, of morals here that align with the rest of the people that are involved. You know, it, it was very much validating, like, oh, okay, she'll do. My issue with her in general is that she kind of fulfilled the role of actual Peggy in the comics, which was very annoying. Peggy is not the cool person that Haley Atwell brought to the character and and Disney itself. She's she was she was she she didn't need straight up rescuing and stuff like that, but she, she was very, very needy, very, um, she was written very, I don't know. I want to say like one dimensional in a way, because she, there was, as we see in the movies, I mean, Peggy's, Peggy's still a fan favorite. I, I love Peggy. Um, give me all of the, give me all the Carters. Just like, I'll watch a whole family of them. Um, and I think that, I think that it would have been very interesting in a if they also, you know, had shown, you know, they, there's so many scenes that they could have used with Sharon. I know they didn't want us to know who she was, but, you know, kind of like how we were talking before about how they showed us stuff with, like, Bucky um, earlier on. It would have been interesting to see her, you know, a very quick moment of her visiting Peggy or something like that, you know, because the thing is that she... She gets, she has the potential to be fleshed out in this movie, and then that's, like, forgotten. We're just supposed to assume that, like, it was fleshed out. And I feel like that sort of messed with the, like, the reveal of Sharon and stuff like that, because she was fulfilling one role and one role only, whereas, like, even, even, even Peggy in that scene, in that one scene, I mean, there's also the archival footage in the museum, um where she talks about how she met her future husband. Um, she, Peggy is still very much herself, and I feel like Agent 13 was immediately pushed into that position, even without knowing that she was, you know, a, working for S.H.I.E.L.D. and any of that as, like, a, a love interest for Steve. And I think that they had the potential to allow her to be her own person and they started to go in that direction and then they didn't so her her intro it works but it doesn't (laughs) yeah and i think it's actually the cia she ends up going to which would explain why she's overseas more and everything like that which you know all the all these agencies get them all confused but you know she takes that next step in her career too that will sort of play into civil war better i would say for you know those purposes of everything they do with her in that movie and i think here because of the fact that we just know her as agent 13 really which it seemed odd to me because it feels like everyone else has a name and she's just this number and i was like okay it felt a little weird to just hold that back and like you said if they had given her scene visiting Peggy like we saw with Cap, I think that would have played really well. And 
I think, you know, I feel like he just, he spends so much time being mad at her that it doesn't, that's why it doesn't make sense later because he's mad that she was, you know, following him. And then he's mad that he didn't know she was related to Peggy. Yeah. And I, that's where I feel like the, they fell short because for sure, especially in a, in a, in a world where Bucky has come back, Steve would have loved he doesn't he, the, the part of my issue is that he doesn't need to fall in love with you know the the relative of Peggy she's not the same person so right. there's no reason for that but he would have loved to have someone who he could talk about her with who knew her probably not even remotely in the same capacity as he did but he just would have loved to know what happened you know she can't remember and that's like the the, the shame of it all you know and so, you know, all of their conversations are, are very, you know, when he, he, he needed someone like, like Agent 13, especially with Bucky back, because poor Steve is just super confused because all of these people are in the 21st century, but they're not, you know, Peggy is the age she's supposed to be. He's not, he doesn't know how to reconcile with that. And then Bucky, who was dead, who he had dealt with his death. That's the other thing. Yeah. He had made peace with it. He blamed himself because that's what they all do. But he had he had made peace with it. And that's where that important conversation with Black Widow comes in about how, you know, Bucky was all he had when he had nothing. And um I I think I think what actually ironically makes it all work is Sam because he's the most normal yeah <laughs> of them all so you know even his reveal is very like you know well i didn't tell you what i did you know he he's he's very he, not only is he game because he clearly admires cap but he was he was doing just as heroic stuff when he was overseas you know you forget i think especially when he says the show, the show, the well, there's the, actually Agents of Shield does it a lot too. They, you forget like the the stuff that Tony Stark has created for the MCU. So when Sam says that he's just a soldier, you you just think, oh, okay, he's like Rhodey, and you don't make any grander, you know, you you forget that Stark Industries was in the weapons business, right? You know, and they play on that a lot, even especially even in like other technology things like you know with the handprint on the elevator and all of that stuff there, there's some stuff i'm like oh, i wonder if that'll exist one day <laughs> yeah and real quick with agent 13 it's like you know yeah. people in shield have to know who she is and they are clearly right. blatantly keeping that from cap and it's just one of those moves where fury probably isn't telling him everything that he maybe should know because like you said I do think that if he knew this was Peggy's niece this whole time it would have been a totally different dynamic and it's something that probably would have helped him even a little more just sort of cope with everything going on instead of having him just be you know confused that Bucky's alive mad that his neighbor was like keeping an eye on him and that Fury bugged his place and all these things that came up throughout this film but like you said going to sam he is the most normal of everyone even though he did serve <laughs> and i think 
you know, when you see him as Falcon, he's sort of just in his clothes and has, you know, the wings attached and the gear attached and everything like that. He doesn't have like a full on superhero suit. So he really does still look like a soldier. And like you said, he makes that comment to Steve. I didn't say I was a pilot. You know, he just said, (laughs) you know, Steve just inferred that based on what he was describing. And, you know, in a way, he is a pilot because he's piloting the suit. It's just not the kind of pilot Steve thought he was. Well, he also his he saw his uh, partner go down. So all of the, the you it's funny what you automatically think of when you hear certain words, because they, there's nothing suspicious about what he says. In fact, that's what I think is so great about Sam's apartment scene because Steve is like, I, I can't believe I got you involved in this. Like, I'm so sorry. Cause he feels like he just like murdered him. And Sam is like, what are you talking about? This is fine. Um, and I, what I think was so interesting also is how game he was. He ends up being like, you know, so, crucial especially in that scene where they go after Sitwell because he he's the one that you know they they pretend that they're gonna shoot him and he he's not a Natasha you know right but Natasha has to do what she's good at so it was it's very interesting watching you know so much of that movie is spent in disguise that I feel like it it made the the rest of the story you know, not only are you not supposed to know who to trust, but then on top of that, there's so much outside the suit. In fact, the suit that he ends up needing is the one in, in the museum. Um, and I, I think that that added a dynamic because I, I'm a, I'm a big fan of superheroes outside of the suit because it shows who they are as, as people. I, I think a great, a great example of that is actually Matt Murdock and, you know, in his, in the early Daredevil series, because you get to, you get to know him outside of the suit. And then all of a sudden he puts it on and you're like, oh, okay. So now he is, you know, the devil of Hell's Kitchen. It's, it's not quite the same with Steve. He was wearing the, the quote unquote costume, um, uh, way, way before he was Captain America in the capacity that he becomes Captain America. And I, I think that's interesting because especially because that that outfit wasn't made for fighting it was made for prancing around a stage which he hated so um i i think that i think that it was it was interesting in terms of the the overall the, the overall plot of the conspiracy theory which to the russo brothers credit i mean to achieve that on film in the capacity that they did when you're when you're reading a book, it's it's very easy to, you know, send people on, uh, you know, wild goose chases because you're you're trusting these characters. And, and this was very much the same thing. But it is very difficult to execute on film to the capacity that they did it. I, I mean, that's what the reason it's one of the favorites is because it's one of the few that it, it leaves you utterly stunned. You you're. Uh, an entire an entire organization that you thought could be trusted is destabilized. I mean, they are all a part of Shield. You know, you go back to Thor even, and when you meet Clint and all of that stuff, uh, I mean, Shield 
you know, was the the throughway line up until that movie. Yeah, and I do want to move on to some general discussion on the film here in a minute. But what I found interesting was, you know, when Falcon shows up and everything and, you know, he's been in action, but then you have them in the transport vehicle and Maria Hill makes her appearance there and she sort of is just like who's this guy you know and you know (laughs) no one really knows who Sam is and I think that's what makes him an interesting compliment to Natasha and Cap because he's this guy he's not doing it because he wants everyone to know who he is he's doing it because he's like hey Cap needs my help and I don't recall Nick Fury when we find out he's still alive sort of questioning why this dude is here that he's never met. It's like, you know, Maria Hill has the sense to do this, but I think Fury's just so tired of everything. He's like, all right, someone else. Okay, here we go. (laughs) And it's just interesting how, you know... I always had the sense that Nick Fury could sense an Avenger. Right. It reminds me of the, you know, it reminds me of the line in Ultron that you know, Hawkeye tells Scarlet Witch, you know, you step outside that door and you're an Avenger. And I, I always got the feeling that, like, if, especially if Cap is hanging around someone, mm-hmm. Nick Fury's not going to doubt it. He's yeah. probably in his mind. He was like, oh, he made a friend, thank God. Um, <laughs> uh, but I, I, I always got the sense that, like, he, he definitely, he can, he, he can see people, ironically, for, for what they are. And Sam immediately registers as someone who was, you know, completely trustworthy. And, you know, I mean, aside from being totally over it, all of it, um, I, you know, I, I think that Sam, he comes across, it, it's kind of, it's, 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 it's literally the inverse of Bucky, who is being used the wrong way and, but, but was trustworthy at one point, you know, if, if Steve walked into, you know, if, if, if Bucky wasn't being, you know, controlled and all that, if, if Steve walked in to find, you know, Fury alive and he was with Bucky, I feel like no one would doubt it either in, in a in a very, you know, perverse kind of universal way. Um, just because that is that, that you know, it's, that's what makes it interesting. Everyone knew about Bucky. That's why I didn't right. think Natasha knew about Peggy. Because they, there's... There's so Bucky is Bucky. Bucky is Steve's hero, <laughs> um, and so to see him take on this other role is partially also what what makes it so confusing. But yeah, I I, I think Nick Fury can just he just gets a good read on people. He doesn't deal with people. He doesn't you know trust. I feel like that's what played so much into you know Agents of Shield bringing Coulson back. You know the the world needs these people. And that's very much how Nick Fury sees the world. Yeah, absolutely. So to get into some more general discussion about the film and everything, I think it's safe to say, you know, we both enjoyed this one a bit more than the first film, which, you know, that film was a perfectly fine first Captain America movie. It's just it didn't seem to hit on all cylinders just yet. And I think they did a better job with this, with the balance of the characters and everything like that. And I think they were able to take a very serious situation in this film and still find those moments to add some humor to it. Like I mentioned with the Maria Hill line of who's this guy. And then you have that great fury moment towards 
the beginning where he's sort of just under attack by all the fake police officers, the fake SWAT yes. team and everything. And <laughs> he's car. talking. Yeah, he's talking to his car and it responds with air conditioning is fully operational. And that's like the only thing that's working properly. And you just see this annoyed look on his face and it's just like everyone is out to annoy him at this very moment including the ai on his car (laughs) yes yeah i i think that it it was very natural for these characters to you know it, it goes back to also steve's line in the elevator about everyone getting out i the humor was very well interwoven um, especially because you were watching the both Steve's personal destabilization and the destabilization of Shield, and even even at the end, you know when um, uh, when Sam needs rescuing, and he yells at Fury about what floor he said he was on. Yeah, and Fury was like, "Close enough, like." <laughs> you're fine yeah he was like they don't put the numbers on the outside of the building (laughs) yeah um you know they 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 knew their moments and it's interesting because the right after that you go back to you go back to to steve and bucky fighting and it's that scene itself is incredibly emotional what i wanted to say about this movie is they don't use the slow motion like they did in captain america the first movie yeah because i i mean i don't even think they use it at all but if they do it's it's definitely much better than the than the other movie because it's not overdone but i don't think they do um even the scene where the the bunker caves in is everything everything happens very fast you forget that that movie, how long that movie is, because it everything just starts going down really, really quickly, really quickly. Yeah, and I think that's definitely something I wanted to bring up, too, because, you know, last time I linked to FX Guide for how they made Steve look so small and everything, and they did a huge breakdown on this film with sort of like, a ton of the different CGI effects they used and everything like that. And when I was watching this, I was like actively waiting for those slow motion moments that I particularly wasn't fond of. And I don't really recall any of them. They maybe used Mm -hmm. it once if that, and I don't even know if they did that because a lot of the fights and everything, it's like these fights need to happen in real time because there are huge stakes here and you don't want to sort of draw out the fights between Cap and Bucky because I don't think that would have been quite as effective. You need to have this stuff happening in real time so you can sort of see their thought process happen in real time too, especially with Cap when he realizes it's Bucky. You know, if they would have done slow motion there, it would have just felt so weird and so out of place. And it's like, you sort of need to be thinking on your feet in these situations, and you see that happen the right. minute he's unmasked, basically. The shield throw outside of his apartment is also done in real time when Bucky catches it. Yeah. Um, it You would think if they're going to slow anything down, it would be that moment. But it, all the, the camera does is linger on him holding it, and then he throws it back. 
but you would think if they wanted to be all artsy and everything. I, what's interesting is also it, it played right into Bucky's fighting style because on the bridge, right before Steve finds out who he is, when he takes the wheel out of the car, um, everything, the that whole scene is done very, very quickly, and it's meant to because Bucky just, you know, I mean, not only is he being controlled to do whatever he's told, but, I mean, he's just throwing punches. He takes out a knife in that other scene. Um, but when, but the whole scene starts because he, he takes the door off the car and throws Sitwell out of it. <laughs> Which is the funniest thing because that character has been in so many Marvel movies and then they just did away with him. <laughs> like, instantly. And uh, one thing that I actually, after I rewatched the movie... Um, I was on Tumblr and someone made a really, really funny um, reference. The scene in Civil War when they're in the car and Sam refuses to move his seat. Someone said this is what was in Sam's mind. And it was it was footage of Bucky like smashing the car in like the windshield and everything. Right. And like Sam's face is like right there. And I you forget that like Sam is now working with this guy who wouldn't have had like he wouldn't have blinked an eye if he killed him. And so you kind of understand the pettiness that Sam feels toward Bucky yeah. later on because of that. And I think it's really funny that 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 carried over because I definitely like that is one of those things that totally went to the wayside afterward. But what's interesting is the overall like everyone just kind of well the people who do accept that that bucky is steve's friend you know sam of all people gets it you know that's why i mean you know if sam's partner came back to life and was fighting for the other side he would have real conflicting feelings about it too no one no one can say what they would do in that situation and i think that that's really interesting it's a very interesting place to put a, a very like ethically moral you know upstanding citizen type of person who does you know high school psas um like captain america yeah and 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 what's interesting is they keep doing that to him the russo brothers like to they like to do that they you know they made him obstinate in you know the accords because he partially because of his own morals but they like they like putting him in situations where you know you you, there is no blatant what would Captain America do. In fact, it would be a lot easier to answer, you know, almost any of the other Avengers because he is constantly, you know, he doesn't change his mind. He's not, he's he's very set in what his beliefs and everything, but you, it is hard to assess what he would do in certain situations because of, you know, the human life at stake, but also because of the people that matter to him. I mean, you know, that's why that ending scene is, is so poignant when he says he tells Bucky, you know, finish it, because he is not going to kill him. He he won't he won't do it. Yeah, and on top of Cap having to deal with all of this, you know, Bucky is back and he's not dead and everything like that. You still have the whole Shield and Hydra storyline going on yep. too, and that's happening. You know, literally in the offices and everything like that. And it's one of those movies where it just packs in so much, but it does it 
well. And, you know, it never really feels like there's any downtime in this movie. And you even the scenes where, you know, Natasha and Steve are trying to get away from Hydra and they're in the mall and everything like that. They still find a way to make something as simple as that really interesting. And, you know, she's sort of guiding Steve through that because he's not this guy who knows how to hide. He sort of just walks around, goes about his day. Hey, you know, I'm Captain America, no big deal, and everything like that. Where she has the mindset to be like, okay, they're there, they're there, they're there. And I think it's Steve who points out, you know, how many of them there are and everything. So he has you know, some of that ingrained in him, but she has the sense enough to be like, okay, you know, we'll go this way. Okay. And she, on the escalator, she turns around, she's like, kiss me, you know, and he's just so thrown by it. And then, you know, he sort of understands it after it happens, like why she did that, because, you know, the other guy is coming up the escalator and would see them. And, It was just one of those moments where, you know, they're not trying to force them together. It's like, this is a practical thing that they're doing. (laughs) And it I felt like that was very much a, like a, it was very much a moment like, see there, this is not what that movie, this movie is about at all. You know, she even says like public displays of affection and make people uncomfortable. Uh, I do like though that she picks on him later about it because it was very, it was like he trusted her in the moment and the minute they're out of danger she's like so was that your first kiss in 90 years like <laughs> yeah. and his response is so vague cuz he said he's he says he's 90 not dead or something like that <laughs> <laughs> who's he kissing <laughs> i was going to say especially because she was picking on him about dating like maybe maybe he's not having the problem. <laughs> right. And it's just one of those moments where you can tell she's sort of just wanting to be friends with Steve and help him out. Yeah. And, you know, she's going to do the things typical friends do and make fun of him along the way. And I really like that dynamic again that they just have there with those two characters. And I think, you know, how they handled that is really what could set up a great Black Widow solo movie too because you see her doing these things that she could easily be doing on her own it's just you know she happens to be buddies with Captain America and they happen to be working on something in the same place at the same time I remember in an interview I think it was with Sebastian Stan he talked about how there was a day of filming and all he did was have Scarlett Johansson on his shoulders and they're like oh must have been like a pretty terrible day of filming and and what's funny is that's like her go-to move with him because she uses that wire right like restrain him and she does it in civil war too and they made a comment like that he's like yeah that's just how i spend my time like (laughs) because she she you know she was so much her own character doing her own thing um And she had the history with him, which I thought was a really, really valuable thing to add to the story. Because for her to understand what Steve might be feeling about seeing Bucky again took a lot of empathy that I'm pretty sure the the Red Room itself did not encourage. And you would think she doesn't have. But 
but she does because I mean, I mean, you know, again, he he tried to kill her, and when push came to shove, she understood that that Steve wasn't gonna he he wasn't gonna let Bucky die again. And that was you know that was that was really significant. I mean that um with you to the end of the line is that that line is you know. In, in, that might as well be Steve Rogers' you know tagline because that's you know Bucky is you know Bucky is everything and I think that that's where the 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 Sharon Carter stuff falls short because they could have built her up a little bit in Winter Soldier instead of waiting till years later in Civil War they could have shown her in Ultron too but they you know I I feel like because the the Bucky cat thing is so pervading. Um, and, I mean, strictly on my own personal level, not even in, like, a romantic way. It's just, it's, you have this this friendship. I mean, the more you learn about Bucky and Steve, you know, we get that flashback in the movie. Um, the the more you see why, you know, it's it's not just a moral thing, Steve... Steve can't lose him again. He can't. He because he made peace with it. He he cannot lose him again. And that's why it's so interesting that, you know, we start to see Bucky come to a little bit. Saves him at the very end of the movie. And then he goes to the museum to find out, you know, who he is. It's you know, Bucky gets his own, you know, Bucky is the the tool in the movie and he he too gets his own opportunity to be his own person again. I mean, we see how that plays out too. But um, it, the movie was very complete. It didn't. It didn't. You know, it it left a lot of questions, right. which is just the kind of thing you want. But it didn't. It didn't leave you going. Oh, okay. They. You know, it. It wasn't like some other superhero movies where they pack it in with, you know, villains and and stuff like that, just so that it keeps the story. You know, interesting. They. They really. They just. They relied on the belief system that cap has and then went from there and i i think that not only did it work really well but it 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 was all encompassing i mean again this could have been the tentpole instead of the original captain america movie because so much changes after this movie yeah and they do wrap some things up in the aftermath and everything like that like when we see agent 13 go to the cia which for me it made more sense because she didn't necessarily have these strong ties to any of the Avengers, but then Maria Hill moving over to working with Stark or for Stark, that makes sense because, you know, she's clearly familiar with Cap and Black Widow and sort of the whole team there, whereas Agent 13 was assigned to Cap, but she didn't really have quite as much interaction with them. So I think her sort of doing her own thing and going to the CIA and seeing where that takes her, which we sort of find out in Civil War anyway, makes a lot of sense for those two supporting characters. And there's still sort of these open-ended questions. It's like, okay, well, what's next for Sam? Because he did such a great job helping out here. And that also gets addressed later too. Right. Right. Yeah. No. I, I. I. And I think that it was done well too. It wasn't trying to tie up right. the loose ends. It just. It. It. It worked too. And. And what's nice is that you know because Sam was supporting, we get to see him very quickly after that. You know what he's up to. 
with his, you know, Avenger training um, in Ant-Man. And he, uh, and, and, and that's the other thing. Sam, um, he has that line, um, the, you know, who are the bad guys because they, you know, they're fighting against S.H.I.E.L.D. Yeah. And Cap says, you know, if they're shooting at us, they're the bad guys. And, um, it, it it was an interesting, you know, because that, that also, that, that played right into, you know, you have these two soldiers who have, you know, Sam definitely has had, especially, you know, regarding, you know, whatever particular war they were fighting or fight they were fighting. Um, uh, right. Cause to- Tony goes to Iraq in the first movie. I think so. so. Yeah. So, yeah. So he, Sam, you you know he's ha- he's been in those compromising positions. He's had to make some really tough choices, and so to be fighting against this organization that was supposed to be, you know, something. I think, you know, it it definitely it 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 also it helped that scene in the beginning when he says, you know, he can't sleep. He doesn't really know what to do with himself because, you know, he he's so used to a certain way of life being being an avenger like it, it makes sense to sam at the end of the movie and i think that that really fit really well with everything we get to know about him yeah and it's not like they're just giving it to him as a reward it's you know he's proven himself without sort of needing any recognition prior to this or you know i mean it is funny when he goes you know here's my resume (laughs) as if he's applying for a job and then he gives cap the file on the falcon suit and everything like that and he's just eager to help because you know it's so ingrained in him that that's what he's supposed to do and while he's perfectly fine living this normal life and everything he's also up for some more action and everything like that because they even talk about you know whether or not they miss it and everything when cap goes to visit him at the va and he's in the meeting and everything heading the meeting and everything like that and i think they just do a really good job of building up his character bit by bit throughout the movie it's not like we have to see all of sam all at once you get these little pieces of his character and the way they sort of have that play out works really well into him just naturally becoming part of the team. Well, I love that he's sitting there at the end. I mean, of course the on your left side, the on your left line was going to come back. Yeah. Um, they, you know, that that's like a big movie rule. Um, if it's, if it's in scene, you know, one, it's gotta be in, you know, scene 21, um, or more. Uh, but so you knew that was going to come back, but on top of that, the iPad, the iPod was playing the music that he suggested they, you know, they, they were, they were showing that, you know, again, it was the total inverse of Bucky. Bucky, you know, Bucky saved him, but Bucky tried to kill him. And then you have Sam, you know, there. And, and it was an interesting scene because like, you don't really think of, you know, Steve Rogers going to the hospital. He, you know, he, I mean, he was really horribly injured, but, you know, it's not part of his arsenal of, you know, super soldier to heal himself. So, you know, you, you really don't think of that, especially because, you know, in going back to the first movie, his threshold of like, I mean, he was in pain all the time when, when they list all of the stuff that's like wrong with him. I mean, his, his threshold for pain is insane. So that's, you know, and that's why that, you know, 
being a even being a super soldier, there are things that probably hurt that don't hurt as much for him because prior to it, he already wasn't, you know, letting the pain bother him. So there's that, that scene is super, it's always been very interesting to me because it's playing on a lot of different things that the movie set up, but you also like, you forget that these people are human, you know, especially because, uh, you know, Natasha walks away from the situation without a scratch and is off in the courtrooms and everything letting you know herself be out there all of her aliases and all of that yeah and it's really interesting what they do at the end there and you know i think we've covered quite a bit here so before we sort of wrap this up entirely is there anything we haven't touched on yet that you want to touch on don't think so i think you know pretty much said everything that i had written in my notes (laughs) (laughs) yeah and like i said I'll have you back on for Civil War, which I know there's a lot of stuff, like you said, that leads into that, especially with, you know, Agent 13 coming back and everything like that. And I feel like... It's practically an Avengers movie, so there's a lot to talk about. Yeah, it still sort of confuses me that it's Captain America Civil War. I'm like, but everyone's in it. So is it really a Captain America movie? But, you know, based on... Thor is not there. He would be mad. Yes, there is no Thor, but then, you know, we get Ant-Man and everything like that. So, you know, we get some new additions to the team and everything like that, or teams, I should say. Yeah, so we will definitely have you back on for that. But thank you so much, Julie, for coming on. This was definitely a great conversation. And I was rewatching it and I was like, oh, I know we're going to be talking about this and this and this just based on the first (laughs) conversation we had and everything like that. But, you know, just a reminder, you guys, I will put that huge FX guide post in the show links and everything because it is really long, Julie. I don't know if you had a chance to look at it, but there's like videos and, you know, I think one or two of the videos might have been pulled or something like that, but there's a ton of video footage to go with it on how they did this movie and it's very extensive i didn't even make my way all the way through it i sort of just read the subheaders and everything it was like okay they cover this and this and this so i still have some reading to do too but again thank you so much julie for coming on thank you for having me i look forward to the civil war conversation me too and of course to the listeners as always thank you all for listening and we hope you enjoy the rest of your day